Some shit with some bop in Let's it. Go. Uh, I flew past the whip with that blunt in my mouth. Watch the swerve and that whip had a cop in it. Okay. My bitch got good pussy, fly her across the country. I finished the show and I hop in it. Yeah. I got me a milli, I did it legitly. I'm still with the shits, I'm a hot nigga. I'm on orthodox than a motherfucker. Welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King podcast, and this is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious podcast for humans simply being humans. Now, today is a special one for several reasons. Because it's, today is a special one for several reasons. Because <clears throat> it is my last episode of the year. It's a solo episode, as you see by the timestamp. I did not plan on keeping you that long. I'm not gonna take up too much of your time. I'm gonna just go through a whole decade in a small amount of time to let you know what affected me, what most likely affected you, what affected the world. And all these various things that have happened since, you know, I'm there's various reasons that, you know, various interpretations of what people call a decade. Some people count it from 2010 to now. Some people count 2009. I am one of those 2009 people just to just to make it math, make make the math make sense. I'm going to just say it like that. You know what I'm saying? Even though 2010, if you count that one, I guess that is 10 years in a way. But you, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Go figure. I'm not, kill me later. Talk about it later. I am starting from 2009 and moving up. It's not much in 2009. And I can't count out 2009 for the simple fact of what happened in 2009. So, bump that. Forget that. <clears throat> it's happening. You feel me? It's happening. Okay, but I digress. Let's, oh, before I go, for all of you who are listening, um, make sure, make sure, make sure that you are subscribed to whatever platform you're listening on. If that's SoundCloud, not SoundCloud, why did I say SoundCloud? Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, whatever it is, if you're watching, if you're watching it and playing it on YouTube, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Shout out to my guest from last week, St. Clair Dietrich Jules. Great episode. Plan on, you know, definitely bringing you back, especially when you put out your book to talk even further if you would like to come. But this week, we're talking about wrapping it up. It's been a hell of a year. It's been an interesting year. We're talking about all types of shit. I think I'm going to skip out of the uh, the Twitter check-in for the day just so I can have more time to be able to knock out all of the things that I made, on, that I put down on this list. These are my, uh, this is my list. You know, people hate to hear a list all the time, but at least I'm not the type to give you lists all the time, like I'm complex or something. Either way, here we are. I'm going to jump right into this. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to hold you. Um, starting with, like I said, 2009. You have the Obama inauguration. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like this day I actually was at home. I really do. I feel like I missed the bus. 
or something happened to where I feel like I was watching this at home. I just remember vividly being at home watching this. Um, and I, maybe I just didn't go. Maybe it was like one of them days where moms was cool with me just not going to school that day. I had enough, you know, absentee days I can, you know, use one to spare. That, which is a good thing to instill in kids. Instill that early. If we got some days, use your vacay days. You can steal that in the kids <laughs> in high school. How many? What's the what's the attendance policy? You got? I got three days. All right. Cool. I'm gonna play with my three days then. Um, so you can play around with that, but people don't think about that like that. Um, also, but you have uh, the Obama my fart. The Obama inauguration was something that not only was historical for everyone, but extremely, extremely symbolic for all of Black America. No one in their right minds thought that this was something that we would ever be able to see um, with our own two eyes. It was people crying. You talking about every black man who ever tried to run or wanted to run or had aspirations to run was crying. Was crying. You had everybody just in so many fields, and people certainly at that time felt empowered. And it was definitely this energy and this this sense of union, togetherness, and all this stuff, different stuff that you know, lo and behold, wasn't all the way that. You know, we weren't living in a post-racial America just because he got this done. But I think a lot of people put that weight of uh of the achievement on it like yeah we got this black man he a black black man he got he from chicago he got a black white he got black kids he played basketball he smoked weed back in the day so people was definitely on it. and he had a good shape up too he had a good lineup that's, that's that's as black as you can get right there you got a good lineup a black wife some black kids and you from chicago you explain that to anybody that sound like your uncle or something you feel me I was so proud to have him as our president, and I still feel the same way. I hate his job, love the man. The man probably is extreme. He is extremely brilliant. He was meant for it. He was born for it. It was all of those different things. But to say that I agree with every single thing that you have to do or feel compelled to do when you are in that office, I would be lying through my teeth if I said I'm all for everything Obama has done and, and anything he can do no wrong in my eyes type of thing. As a person, he has a lot more leeway. As a politician, I'm I'm really not I don't I don't give y'all I don't give them that much room anyway. <clears throat> but I digress. Another thing that happened in two thousand nine was the invention of Uber. Uber was launched and it was only I think only on the West Coast at first when it first launched. But probably by the time maybe two to three years later, it started to finally come over to the other side of the world. While I was in Atlanta, I remember being in Atlanta and it being people during the, like around this time, like the last week of school, you have people literally charging people to take them from campus to the airport because there was really no other version of that. And so literally Uber just made that, like just made it so you can get in somebody's car that you probably know and maybe do know and get you from point A to point B. Like, where would the world be now if Uber was not there? Think about that. Like, would you have done all that you have done thus far if Uber or Lyft and all those different things were not there? I don't think so. I don't think you would have planned your night out in a certain way. I don't think we would have we would have thought about certain things the way we do. Yeah, cabs always exist and all those different things. But, cab, like, when Uber came around, it made cabs seem like the most dumbest thing to ever do. 
It really made it just seem just idiotic. It's like, I can just get driven to my house. I don't got to worry about getting, and now I'm, I'm finding this out, that a lot of people in certain you know cities, especially certain metropolitans, they already had a hard time getting cabs if they wanted to take a cab. So it was like, I can call somebody straight to me. I know who they are. I know something about them. I know what their rating is, at least. That was a plus. That was dope. That was lit. You know what I'm saying? Then we jumped to 2010. 2010, two things. The first thing was, I think it was kind of the the true initiation that influencers, you know what I'm saying? That like all these ver- variety of kind of, you know, internet influencers started to really be able to make bread. You know what I'm saying? You were talking about people on YouTube who are vlogging for a few years and they are starting to really start to get brand deals and all these different things. Instagram ain't even thought of yet, but it's on its way. Facebook's been around. Twitter's been around. You got people who are quote unquote already Twitter famous by the time 2010 comes. So it's this energy that like the influencer uh, vibes and, and knowing that this is actually a viable way to probably make money is to literally just gain a lot of followers and then just turn that into a business. I feel like that 2010 was when that really peaked. I may be wrong, but I feel like that's a good marker of like where everything shifted from people just being online and just doing just doing the same thing everybody else was doing, and that's just doing what you do on MySpace, doing what you do on Facebook, so on and so forth. It was people who was actually if you people who were outside of musicians, um, or any other entrepreneurs who were literally just selling themselves, and um, and you have in 2010 you got Drake. Yes, Drake, Drake, Drake. Drake drops his first studio album, I believe, in 2010. Thank me later. But he was already a sensation prior to all of this. I was a extreme Drake fan, extreme Drake fan in high school. Got on to him, I would say fairly early on. And um, I think I came on to him probably right around uh, the time, you know, uh, So Far Gone came out a little bit before that. Um, and it was, it, I, he spoke to me. You know, I'm a I'm a light skinned turtleneck, sweater wearing, Carl Thomas type of motherfucker. You feel me? I love my R and B vibes. So if you giving me some rap razzle dazzle with some R and B vibes, you got me. You got me. I am with you. What, where are we going now? You know what I'm saying? And I think it was his uh, content that I think related to me the most because I feel like every rap, like I, I couldn't create some type of symbolisms to you know. The drug, you know, the drug rap or the gangster rap that was real heavy and prevalent. I think I had an affinity for, you know, the Gotti's and the Wayne's of the world because they sounded similar to me. They sounded similar to people I knew. It was it was Southern, so it was this sound that I grew up with, so it was an inherent connection to it. While, what's happening? What's happening, bro? What's happening, little cuz? Um, so, so for me, it was just like, I ain't know, I ain't know I was gonna like him so much, but I liked him a lot. And so essentially that turned into, you know, just a true fandom. But as soon as everybody else jumped on him, I was kind of over. But by 2010, I was real good with him. I was a true, true fan. Then you jumped to 2011. 2011 is a big, 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 big year for me. You're talking about me graduating high school. Yes, high school. Um, For all the folks who probably don't know how old I am. I'm however long you've been listening, I can understand you probably haven't even figured that out. But uh either way, 
graduated high school. I also started and moved to Atlanta, Georgia to, you know, to start my matriculation through Clark Atlanta University, the illustrious Clark Atlanta University, which certainly set me on a path to, you know, that college as college does, you know, sets you up for you to be able to understand more about yourself, to look into yourself. I feel like I got so many beautiful, beautiful life lessons that I'm still looking back to to understand, you know, or, or or drawing inspiration from, or it's so many different people that I've met that I'm still connected with, that I'm still rooting for, that I'm still supporting in, um, in various ways, and people who I know are still supporting me, and I appreciate the community, I appreciate the time and the energy. I did so much while I was there, spent so much time on campus, spent so much time with people, um, building and thinking of ideas and writing shit down and throwing it away and so many different things. It was live. It was live. Atlanta, Georgia treated me well in a lot of ways in terms of just me understanding and coming into my creativity and, and actually actualizing the fact that, you know, the all these different creative things that I didn't even know I would that would come to me and that I could actually make real and um and truly to be able to claim that I am a creative. I think I didn't do that up until my time at Clark Atlanta University. It was just not happening. Then you have me, uh, a pers- another personal thing, but also a global thing. I think in 2011, I feel like a lot of the world was starting to be introduced to Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar it became a wave way before this, but I feel like he was way more niche and had a way, le- way smaller following before 2011. 2011 is actually the same year he drops his Section 80 mixtape or album. I'm not sure which one he calls it. I'm assuming a mixtape. But um, it makes waves. It goes crazy. It makes everyone know who he is, even though he already was on the Take Care album on an interlude called, I believe it was Buried Alive or something like that with Drake, which was a great introduction. But um, was it, it might have been that same year, actually. I can't remember when did Take Care come out. Hmm. That's something to look into. I feel like it might have been 2011, 2012, something like that. Anywho, I digress. Let's go on to 2012. You have my first time voting in the Obama reelection and um, it was dope. It was great. It was cool. It was cool to, you know, to vote for the first time and for my first time to vote, which makes which makes me feel like our class of people are very, very special people for that to be the first time we're able to vote. All the people who were, you know, college age, you know, and turn, or just turning 18, being able to be a part of that process and be a part of history was a beautiful thing. Um, we were definitely a part of, we were definitely probably the big reason why he was able to be reelected because a lot of older black voters were already kind of, you know, just counting out and sitting out the vote because they just felt like, you know, more should have happened in the first four years and so on and so on and so forth. But, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, Presidents, presidents can't really be for their jobs if you're really trying to be for them type shit. You feel me? Then you have Instagram. Instagram comes out and is bought by um, and is bought by Facebook. And I believe I started my Instagram in the same year. I think it was second semester freshman year. And um, certainly, you know, hit us with storm. If you remember, if you think back to all the folks who are old enough, you remember that. It was on iPhone only, which was a, a thing with a lot of apps, a lot of popular uh, big apps back in um, almost a decade ago. <laughs> I 
And um, it was like they would come on, they would come on iPhone and the app would be working for maybe six months. I think Instagram was out for like six months before I even got to Android. That's when I had an Android too. So I'm out here hearing people t- doing this thing on this app and whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, damn, I want to know what it is. I want to see what it's about. What's good. And um, and that was when I had a lot a different perspective of Instagram. That's when it was a lot simpler. That's when it was um, it was a lot simpler. It was l- less stress less stressful. I say because it was just really just everybody was still figuring it out. Everybody was still trying to see exactly what you can what you can do and what could be done and so on and so on and so forth. And then it just yearly like from year to year to year up to now has changed drastically. The ability to do this. What I'm doing right now on IG, being on live, was not a thing. It was just not a thing at all. But I think it's cool. I think it came with it's truly a gift and a curse within the society we live in now because it's giving people so many blessings and money and all these different things. But it also has given people the most stress they could ever experience ever. <laughs> just from um, just being self, being even more self-aware, being even more vain having people stress the hell out from their own self image and, uh, and self esteem. It's just a lot of different negative things that can come from people who are over consuming, uh, apps like these. But crazy thing about it is that's what they want you to do. They want you to be on this shit and be on this shit crazy. But I digress. Moving on to 2013, 2013. There's two things that I put down first, a personal thing, but also a thing that I feel like everyone, a lot of people appreciate, and that was my season of college boyfriends. To sound narcissistic as hell, what I just I just heard myself say that. Damn, the college boyfriends probably came. It came out the summer prior, um, and written, written and starred in, written and starred in by Tina Shakia, who um, still is still right now, uh, actually you know a part of the team and still is going to do something. With the name, they're working on a movie right now, and I think they're probably doing a little bit of crowdfunding and a little bit of planning with some of the, you know, some of the old cast members. And I'm not sure if they're gonna hold any casting calls for new folks, but if they do, I'll definitely let y'all know. But it was a great, great time playing Chase Lattimore. Beautiful name, great name, smooth as hell. Character was certainly flawed as hell. <laughs> and um, it came with a very interesting drama. But you know, I'm gonna drop the link to um two college boyfriends youtube so you can check that out and also keep up with them to see exactly uh what's going on in terms of the movie and any type of opportunities for you to possibly be involved either on the crew or on the cast itself you never know what can happen especially if you're in atlanta you always want to be able to do some of these types of things um then you have a very very historical moment um and i could have featured this in 2012 because this is when he was actually murdered being the murdering of Trayvon Martin but in 2013 specifically was the acquittal of Trayvon's murderer um I'm not treating a man like Voldemort it's just more so what's the reason to even say his name we all know it we know he a clown we know he a goofy we know he it's crazy that he's even just walking around standing straight up at this point from how flagrant and how like vile of of a human being, he's kind of, you know, shown himself to be. Uh, but Trayvon Martin, I think, was the, I think, official start. For me, my consciousness on how police are and all these different things really came from the uh, 
the essentially the killing of um, the death sentence of uh, Troy Davis, which happened, I believe, my freshman year. And um, if you don't know the story of Troy Davis, I certainly implore you to look it up. And it was crazy because I think a lot of people got a lot of hope that he was going to be, you know, saved and not go, not go, uh, not go to the chair. But he did. And I think that was not because he was already in jail. I think that was a cause that the world really couldn't, I guess, get behind and see the flaws and, you know, and police brutality and police misconduct and all those different things. But I think Trayvon Martin's case, the uh, the unfortunate case of Trayvon Martin, I think was the perfect storm for people to understand that something is fucking wrong with the world right now. Because uh, this thing is probably the most extreme version that we don't get to see. We haven't seen. We've seen a lot of it, but I think we haven't heard of too many bigger stories about it like this. Uh, most of the big stories that are coming out nowadays are, you know, police violence on civilians. While this was a civilian on civilian, but he was acting as a um, he was acting as a damn police officer, essentially by, you know, he was a neighborhood watch. You know the story. And I think it certainly shook the world and and I think, you know, was the prelude to Michael Brown and Black Lives Matter um, really initiating and happening and um, really changed the world and changed the sense of politics, made us be able to point to and be able to speak to exactly the way the world sees us and have a call, have a really a, a crying call and a, and a chant of sorts that kept you know, reiterating the way the world see us. Um, and it's just, it's sad, it's sad to think about, but I think it's necessary um, to make sure we always commemorate and always really memorialize his death as a symbol that really woke us up and shook us out of our kind of our security that we were in being under this kind of Obama presidency and so on and so on and so forth. But then you have, to bring it up, to bring up the energy a little bit, then you have, wait a minute, yeah, I'm see my minutes. Then you have, in 2014, you have the release of Black Messiah in December. Now, 2014, I cannot remember. It was definitely something else eventful that happened in 2014. But for me, what I put was the Black Messiah dropping because not only was that, not only is D'Angelo my dude, but I was so excited when this dropped. I think it made so many ways. It was critically acclaimed. It was critically received. It was doing all the shows. People was fucking with it. People thought it was an instant classic. It was It was that shit. It was a musical masterpiece. Fresh, just fresh out the box. The man can't miss. You know what I'm saying? The man cannot miss. And I love that type of musicianship. It spoke to me. It felt just, it felt like a newer version of him. It felt very, you know, caught up within the times, but still very D'Angelo, still very unique. And I love shit like that. And I love how the messaging um, from the reception of his album, a lot of people were saying, you know, yeah, real music is back and so on and so on and so forth. But he um, looking out and also telling the truth by saying real music ain't never been gone or went anywhere. Y'all not looking for it. And I think that's a real testament on us showing love to the people who are out here grinding, are out here working. Shout out to my, you know, to all the homies who out here got albums and projects out and pushing albums and projects from my sis Ray Louise to my bro Oli to my boy 
<clears throat> my my you know my mini my mini soda boy, <clears throat> young juice lord. You know what I'm saying? Hammer time juice. You feel me? Uh, people who just out here actually actively, actively, you know, putting out music. And I think that's the distinction that you got to make with your friends. You got people who keep telling you they're going to put out a mixtape and keep telling you they're going to put out music. And you got folks who doing it. Get to doing it. Why are you waiting? If you got the talent, if you know you got the drive, figure out what resources you need to make your shit happen. Just do it. Just do it. Then you got 2015 was graduation for me. Graduation, yes. And I moved to Chicago and I actually started this podcast that you're actually listening to. So much happened in 2015 for me. It was certainly a very major year that I'm never going to forget. It's going to be ingrained in my in my soul for how much occurred within this just that one year um, from ups, downs, and all arounds. Uh, moving to Chicago was a big step for me. It was certainly a big step for just my whole just my whole my whole just journey in life. I've been here for four years now, and it's it's been such a journey. It's been, I've learned so much, and um, then starting this podcast has certainly been so many different things for me too. And I I feel satisfied in the fact that I'm I ch- I found this medium, but I am looking forward to the milestones that I've yet to reach for myself, for the goals that I feel like I've yet to meet. But also I'm praise myself for you know the milestones I have met you know making it for four years for having producing a podcast learning new things that I feel like I didn't know before having new skills that I now have being able to speak to certain things and being able to talk and have this creative uh outlet under my belt that I can just really take anywhere and talk to anyone about and and just share what I feel about it with anyone um in that same year in 2015 a very societal shifting a uh, piece of legislation happened through the Obama uh, presidency, and that was same-sex marriage. The reason why I point this out is because it still is a pol- very, very politicized uh, topic. It was a long time coming for, honestly, you, I might, you might as well say for, for the whole existence of you know the United States, that being something that was not recognized. Um, and I shout out to all of you know my friends and family who you know identify as whatever they identify as and being able to have the choice to be acknowledged and for them to also be able to get the benefits of you know that come with marriage you know there's you know literally governmental benefits you know from the taxes and and being able to have children and insurance and and having certain rights to your partner that you would love for your partner to have and in the case of emergency or in the case of just importance and vital uh, information, um, just truly being that partner, truly just being everything that your, you know, heterosexual counterparts would be. And so I, 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 I certainly have always been a a supporter and a person who is a, because uh, I, I know people have a weird feeling about allyship, I would say, uh, I guess I would say supporter and, and, um, yeah, supporter <laughs> of the LGBTQIA uh, plus community. And um, certainly, you know, I'm open to learn so much more and for them to truly get start getting even more uh, pieces of the equal pie um, and, um, and, and help them fight for that equal piece of the pie too. 2016, 2016. 2016 was jam-packed with all types of stuff. I think this is literally one of my longest 
uh, list of things, little bullet points for the year, for any of these years. 2016, you had the release, the uh, the the release of two very important albums that came out in that same year by people who came out of the same womb. You had Lemonade and A Seat at the Table coming out months from each other. Two very extremely classic albums. Um, Lemonade being this also visual album, being a very revolutionary scent in a sense because it's con- Beyonce continued on her, on her like really stepping up to a new level. For me, it was my... I think it was probably the album that connected with me the most um, because I feel like, you know, Beyonce doesn't make things for me. I think she made things I can enjoy. It was certain joints on there. She always made songs that, you know, I feel like anybody can enjoy, but her content wasn't something I could directly relate to because I, I, I'm i not a woman. I'm not, you know, I, I think I, I take the lessons where I need to take them, but I never forced myself to be a Beyonce fan. But Lemonade was one of the ones you had to tune into, you had to consume, you had to get into because it was just a moment. And um, just the way she kind of shook everything, came out with the, you know, just dropping formation and dropping, you know, coming out literally the next day to do the Super Bowl halftime performance. It was a lot happening, you know. Then you have in 2016, A Seat at the Table drops from her sister Solange Knowles, which was extremely pivotal for me. I thought it was a masterclass in music. It was something that you could tell she marinated that thing just right. Uh, it was it was beautiful visually as well as, you know, musically. It told a very clear, precise story, and I thought it was one that was extremely unapologetic, and I think it was certainly one of an unapologetic piece of art that I feel like you don't get to hear so often. I think a lot of the unapologetic uh, nature of music usually is kind of given up to um, – rappers for being you know conscious and all these different things but to hear from a songstress um like solange with her angelic voice was something that i think was very impactful and the messaging of all of the things and her purpose for doing everything was i feel like very very well thought out and um and certainly just an instant classic i think nobody can argue that shit is an instant classic and if you feel any differently then that's just you you're going to be mad in a few years when you feel, when you agree with me. You understand? Um, that same year you had Prince passing away, which I think was extremely big because he was just a force in terms of just culture and society in terms of how, to, you know, being an artist that, you know, is extremely talented and want to protect your art and control your art. I wasn't the uh, biggest Prince fan and I really didn't grow up. It didn't, I didn't grow up with, a whole lot of prints in my household, but I certainly understood the importance of him and certainly felt the weight of, you know, his death um, just in the air and in the vibe. I definitely wore purple. You know, I was definitely on that on that bandwagon. Like, let me wear purple. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Prince. Um, because, you know, we lost a very, somebody who was known to be very proudful, prideful, somebody who was very, you know, very blunt about how his opinions on music and, also, somebody who was loved, you know, loved blackness and loved and was spiritual and and knew himself. And I think that was just a, a, a beautiful example of a man that you can't ignore. Then, lastly, in 2016, and I told y'all this was a, a, a packed full that I had to just highlight. Oh, I said lastly. <laughs> I'm going to say the least for least. <laughs> I'm going to say the least for last. <laughs> you have one of my favorite shows. And I, I personally see it as the Martin of our Generation being insecure. Insecure started in 2016. 
and I feel like it still to this day holds up and will forever hold up because it was a it's a timeless piece of work. I cannot wait for this fourth season to drop um, next year. I got to wait till next year, damn Issa. But, you know, I ain't going to trip because I know you out here working, girl. But it's nothing but love. Check out my um, Hella Insecure episode that I did, uh, essentially kind of, you know, reviewing a premiere episode, I believe, of season two, season two or season three. Uh, check that out in my, you know, in the archives. But it was impeccable. It was, and it was inspiring as hell because this was a person who came from the internet to uh, to literally have a whole HBO show shot in beautiful clarity with all the, the bells and whistles that you cannot even imagine somebody be able to have access to. And then lastly, <laughs> and least, uh, 45 was elected. And it shook the world, stopped. It was, you could certainly hit a pin drop. It was the initiation of white people understanding how fucked up politics in the world really is. Uh, and that's okay. It's about time. <laughs> it's, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. This is a Wendy's. You know, I don't know what else to say. It's it's very, and it's been a hell of a ride. We're talking about motherfucker being, you know, investigated a million times, has several cases that are still in, that are still pending or have been closed or settled, um, still has a million tweets that go all over the news from hour to hour, day to day, and currently is in impeachment hearings right now and pursuing impeachment proceedings currently right now at this point in time with Lily just, you know, a year left in his term. It's crazy. It is crazy. But fuck him. Moving on. 2017. So I only got, yeah, 2017. I only got a few more here till I wrap this thing on up. Uh, the solar eclipse happens. Solar eclipse. And the solar eclipse was Pivotal for me, I'm never going to forget it because it was literally, I feel like because of the solar eclipse, I feel like all of my luck shifted. Like, I feel like everything changed for me in terms of just life. Like, I feel like it took the solar eclipse happening for me to finally find a new job and for just a shift to occur in me for some reason. I don't know what it was, but it was something. It was something. Um, and I got a new job and I'm still with that. Uh, well, I still have my day job and I... And it's pays me, it pays me well, and um, it's paying me even better. And I, I appreciate that because it's financing the dream. You know what I'm saying? My what is it? Nine to five for your five to nine. You know what I'm saying? Your five to twelve, whatever people say. Then you have uh the Charlottesville, uh, shit. I don't even know what you want to call it. It's Charlottesville, just Charlottesville, <laughs> Virginia incident where you had a bunch of alt right Nazi team up situation um plus protests of um of essentially um i think it was a protest of the kind of the taking down of a few different kind of confederate monument statues and ornaments of sorts and um obviously you had these outright and i think it was the, just the the visuals that uh really shook the world literally someone lost their lives and several were injured uh by this man, literally this crazed man driving the car right through the crowd. Um, I think it was something that was shook, shook the world. I think it shook us all up. And it was something that we had to, the world had to speak to, even though the chief of <laughs> the, the 45 has 
really didn't have much to say, but it was good people on both sides, which shook the world yet again. <laughs> shook us twice in the same week that that's what the that's what he had to say about it. But what else could you expect? Uh, check out my um, America being America episode, which was, you know, speaking to this uh, right here because it was just a lot happening around that time from the Charlottesville situation happened and then several other incidents just with throughout, you know, that was the same year, Alton Sterling and, you know, Philando Castile, uh, same year. All of that was the same year, and it was a lot. It was heavy. It was too heavy for everything. Um, and it really spooked a lot of people because it just seemed like, what the fuck is happening? Um, then, 2018, you had the resurgence and the and more so the introduction or reintroduction of the Me Too movement started by Toronto Burke, that was essentially co-opted by, uh, you know, what's her name? Rose McGowan and several other, you know, uh, very famous white women within Hollywood to expose several people, specifically, you know, Harvey Weinstein. Within these, I believe prior to those years, you already had the, you know, the the coming the truth of <laughs> Bill Cosby. And that process kind of was already getting started. Then you... Uh, and essentially in 2018, it was a lot of people were being brought to terms about what was going on and who, what the hell, is, what the hell is this? What, what the hell is that? And um, really was, I think it was a resurgence that really shook everybody up because it made everybody now have something to, you know, speak to. And I think it made a lot of different women, a lot of different victims of sexual assault come out and tell their stories and be proud of their stories. But I think it also created this conversation that we realized was a difficult one to have being that, you know, what does these things mean? What we don't really understand rape culture and we don't really understand um, how these things work. And damn, it really is hard to, you know, convict someone who's done something like this that we all agree is wrong. Um, all those things were things that I think are paradigm shifting I think you need to continuously give the credit to Toronto Burke, who has been trying to school us on this type of stuff, and all the other uh, women who were essentially trying to essentially just tell us what's going on. It's sad that it took you know a bunch of white women to kind of let it be known that this is what's happening in something that's a very in, you know exclusive industry to even get a part of, to even be in that space. But it still mirrors something that happens in everyday life from women who work anywhere or trying to do and aspire to do anything, they still have to go through that type of coercion and rape culture uh, existing in their lives as well. So shout out to Me Too and Time's Up and all of those different things. I think it's extremely necessary. Um, also, in 2018, last year, it was um, I reached 100 episodes. Reached 100 episodes. That was dope. That was lit. I appreciate everyone for just sticking with me and Truly, you know, supporting the show and letting me know that I'm not just talking to some void, but actually people are, care to hear my voice and care to listen. Um, then you have where we are now. We're in 2019. 2019. A lot of things happened for me in 2019 from turning 26 to going to, out of the country for the first time. Several months ago, I, I had the opportunity to go to Jamaica to celebrate my girlfriend's birthday. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. Would love, you know. Definitely would go back. Definitely would, you know, go somewhere similar. Definitely would, you know, it definitely put that bug in me to, you know, continuously travel and continuously get out and continuously look at to look into more places to go. Uh, 
I'm glad it happened the way that it happened. I feel like it was a beautiful experience to happen that way for the first time for me. And I definitely appreciate uh, Destiny, her family, for welcoming me to be a part of that. Um, then you have um, therapy. I started therapy uh, this year and I've been in it for several months now. I believe back in July, since July. Damn. It's crazy to think about. Um, since July, I've been doing it and. And I pretty, I pretty much, you know, I go every two weeks and he's great. Um, he, he's a he. My therapist is, uh, is a man, black man. I hit the jackpot, y'all. And um, so it's like talking to a mirror, talking to somebody who actually understands kind of, you know, what your life it was and what your life is now and the stage of life that you're going through. And um, having that relatability is what makes it really comfortable to be able to see certain issues and problems that you have. And I think it certainly made me a better person and made the people around me uh, think about their own self-improvement even more because I talk about it just like I talk about everything else I do. You know, I tell people I got a podcast to do or I can't, you know, these are what my plans are this week or whatever it is. And, you know, if you catch me on that Thursday, <laughs> I'm gonna let you know, oh yeah, no, I got therapy that day. Um, therapy for what? You you heard of something? You, you, you recovering? I'm like, no, it's, you know, like sessions, like, you know, psychological therapy, um, mental health therapy and all those different things and um it's certainly intrigued a lot of people it's every time i bring it up people be like "Mm, i want a therapist and how did you do this and you know i love those questions and i love that you know people are getting intrigued and and truly organically going and trying to do things about their mental health and then i'm just gaining new perspective this year is one thing that i had to get um on myself on my own anxiety my own flaws and how to fix those things and i feel like 2019 was a special year for that for me. It was a tra- it was a transitional year, the 400th anniversary of you know slavery, which you can check out my 400 uh, years episode speaking to the 1619 project. Look at me, I'm just I'm plugging within a plug. This is like Inception. This is like a podcast on the podcast within a podcast. Um, but I, I I feel that, you know, in this year, I think I gained, I gained a new perspective that I feel like I can really take with me for the rest of my life. And I think it's extremely impactful for us to have those types of shifts and those type of moments where you know yourself to have grown from, you know, month to month and year to year. Just thinking about it, 2019 was a long ass year, y'all. This shit felt like two, three years all in one. They put some, it, and we got a leap year next year. And they feel like they put a few extra days into this motherfucker. Uh, but I digress. That's that's the decade. That's my highlights for me for the decade. And you ask, because I'm about to be gone in a minute. And I think I certainly went over the time that I wanted to go over. I might cut some of this. I don't know. But what's to come? The top of the year. Plan to see more from me on a new platform being YouTube. I plan to put out more visual content. People keep telling me they want to see my face more. I don't know why y'all trying to see me. The voice, I think my voice sounds good enough, but I will show my face. I will stop feeling feeling like a Kermit, and I think it's a good thing for me. And I have several things planned, several different types of, you know, very a weekly content situation, but uh, kicking it off with something extremely special that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And, of course, I'm going to keep on podding. I'm going to keep on giving you these podcasts. Um, I'm certainly, certainly right now thinking about 2020 plans. I've already mapped out exactly what my goal of episodes is and how I want to schedule it out. Thinking about my solo episodes already, and I'm thinking about my guest list. And if you 
whoever you are, whoever is listening to this, wherever you are, I want you to make sure that you are shouting me out, letting it be known, telling your friends. And if you want to get a part of this, to reach out to me, you can email me at lifeasking1 at gmail.com. That's lifeasking1 at gmail.com. You can DM me straight from the page, Simply King Pod on Instagram or my personal page, Kings underscore memoirs. Check both of those out. Follow both of those. You feel me? Then you um, then you have uh just only the goals that I have next year are two things, very big goals, very lofty things. But I feel like why not shoot high? One is doing a live show right here in Chicago with whomever, wherever. For me, I have a on my own mental kind of milestones. I feel like I want to meet before doing it. But honestly, if one comes before the other, I'm cool with that. That's the goal. I think I can make it happen. And I believe people didn't really enjoy it. Then you have the grapevine. I really want to be on the grapevine next year. I feel like I've already made a connection with somebody who's on there. They already follow me on Twitter. So we need to go ahead and make it happen. I need to get on there and get, get, get in some of that good lighting and, and talk my shit right along with the beautiful people who else are talking their shit. You feel me? That's all I'm saying. But I digress. It's the end of the year. So... Happy holidays, happy holidays, happy holidays. I'm going to send y'all off with a little bit of Christmas music to set your holidays off just right. All right. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. I'm Rodney Perry. If you don't know, now you know you can listen to the Simply King Podcast everywhere podcasts are available from from Spotify to the Apple Podcast app to Google Play to Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and so on and so forth. Make sure you follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs and make sure you follow the Instagram for the podcast at the Simply King pod. That's Simply King pod. And make sure you follow the Facebook page, the Simply King podcast Facebook page. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Make sure you share this shit. Make sure you like this shit. Make sure you follow and subscribe and make sure you give me a rate and review. I appreciate you. It's going to be a great year. Hope you all have a great, beautiful holiday season um, for whatever that it is that you celebrate. And let's have a good one. Let's end the year off strong. All right. Peace.